You're listening to AIB Market Talk with our latest financial market update. Hello and welcome to our AIB Weekly Market Talk. Today is Tuesday the 7th of July. My name is Cormac Canan from AIB Treasury and I'm joined today by Oliver Mangan, AIB's Chief Economist, to discuss the latest market developments. Ollie, take us through some of the recent economic data highlights. Okay, well, economic data, generally speaking, have been coming stronger than expected. And we had this comment from the Bank of England Chief Economist last week proclaiming that the recent data showed that the deepest recession we've seen in hundreds of years was already ancient history. And they noted that the latest indicators show the recovery activity was proving stronger than the Bank of England had expected as recently as May. And I suppose last week was a big week for data. There's not much out this week, but last week, I suppose, the centrepiece, as always, was the U.S. employment report. And again, the data came in ahead of expectations. Payrolls, U.S. payrolls increased by 4.8 million in a month. That was for June. That came after a 2.5 million rise in May. And the unemployment rate, which had been trending towards 20%, came down to 11%. And that was just the last in a long line of data over the last week to two weeks that have come in higher than expected. We have these PMI surveys and ISM surveys for manufacturing activity across the major economies. Again, in the US, the manufacturing survey, I think about 50 is growth. It came in at 52.6 in June, and that was up from 43.1 in May. Again, far higher than expected. I suppose what caught the eye in particular was the retail sales figures a couple of weeks ago. An 18% increase in May was far ahead of expectations. Jeremy last week also printed very strong retail sales figures. These were for May, actually. They were up by 14% in the month. And that more than unwound a 6.5% fall in April. And they're up 5% on a year-on-year basis. And again, for the Eurozone, the PMIs there for June, we had them the last week. Uh, now, they didn't quite hit 50, but they rose to 47.5, near the 50 level, up from 32 in May. So, you know, again, well ahead of expectations. And if we go to the UK, where the chief economist was talking about the strength of the economy there, again, retail sales came in at 12% in May. Now, they fell by 23% in April. But the surprising thing was that the economy wasn't really, the lockdown didn't really start to unwind or be lifted until June. And we still had a strong rebound in those May figures. And again, the survey and data for services and manufacturing came in stronger than expected in June. The manufacturing one was above 50. Again, a bit of a surprise in the sense that the um, economy only really started to reopen for the middle of June. So across the board, we've had this stronger than expected data. And that has underpinned stock markets. And on Sunday night, the Asian markets actually regained their levels of last February before the crisis struck. But right across the board, you know, stock markets rallied strongly from mid-March to mid-June. And over the last two or three weeks, they've been sustained at these high levels, you know, by the, the run of better than expected economic data right across the board from the Eurozone to the UK to the US to Australia to China. The data have been coming in better than expected. Thanks, Ollie. Do you see any threats to further strong economic figures in the coming weeks and months? Well, it was interesting what the Bank of England Chief Economist said, because we've had much more cautious remarks from the Chairman of the Federal Reserve, Jerome Powell, and the ECB Chief Economist, Philip Lane. I mean, Philip Lane was saying there is a strong rebound. He says you've got to see it in the context of the contraction activity we saw from March to May or June, which was an extremely deep fall in output. And thus, a run of positive data is only to be expected. But he warned it's going to take a long time for activity to return to its pre-crisis levels. And last week, we had the Irish Central Bank report here, came out quarterly report, the first one they've been able to do really since the crisis struck. And that forecast a 9% fall in GDP for Ireland this year, 
but it's going to take a couple of years to recover that output. The forecast growth for next year is 5.7 and then 4.5% in 2022. So a lot of central bankers are warning that it'll take a couple of years for activity to return to its pre-crisis levels. And again, Jerome Powell was making the point, yes, you know, he says spending and hiring has, the pickup has occurred stronger and earlier than we anticipated. But he says it's largely been driven by an area than expected lifting of the restrictions in the US. And as he sort of pointed out, he says that's bringing new challenges. And he, he highlighted the need to keep the virus in check. And the US is failing miserably in this regard. Your new cases are surging. We are seeing fresh lockdowns. And as Jerome Powell pointed out, this could lead to renewed economic weakness. We referenced the strength of the payrolls, the employment growth in June there in May, you know, up by 4.8 million in June, 2.5 million in May. But it goes back to the point Philip Lane made in terms of the depth of the downturn. The US still has 15 million people less employed than it did have in February, so before the crisis struck. So there's a long way to go to recover the jobs that were lost over the period of March, April, uh, and into early May. And despite the strength of the indicators, you know, it may be a short recession, but it's been a very, very deep recession, and it's going to take a long time for economies to climb out of that big hole to find themselves in. And I said, bear that in mind, the payrolls are good in the US, nearly 5 million in June, 2.5 million in May, but we still get another 15 million to go to recover all the jobs lost. And the fear in the US, as the Fed has been pointed out, is that with this very sharp rise in the number of new cases of the virus, lockdowns being reimposed in some states, the damage it will do to consumer confidence and spending, the risk is that the recovery in payrolls could stall and you could be left with this apparently high level of unemployment of 11%, or certainly it would take a long time to get those additional 15 million jobs back that the US economy still has to recover. So most central bankers are still striking a, a very cautious note and putting the recovery and putting the recent data in the context of how far economies contracted in March, April and May. So I, I think we need to bear that in mind. Thanks, Ollie. Now on to interest rates. Are we likely to see any further interest rate cuts from major central banks during the coming months? Well, I don't think we'll see much action in the coming months. Central banks have done a lot in terms of cutting interest rates, mostly in the US and the UK, and also broad-based and very large quantitative easing programs, buying up large amounts of government bonds, corporate debt, and allowing both governments and corporates to build cash, and particularly governments to greatly expand fiscal policy, increase spending, provide support to the SMB sector, provide support to households, very large rise in their budget deficits, being able to fund that at very, very low interest rates. So central banks have done a lot. So I think that they're on hold at the present time. What's interesting is if you look at bond markets and you look at stock markets, stock markets are I would say, optimistic about the future. They've had a very strong recovery. Markets are at high levels. As I say, Asian markets are back to the levels they were at before the virus struck. But yet, if you look at interest rate markets and futures contracts, they're actually discounting further cuts in interest rates. Now, not this year. They're looking for further reduction in rates of about 10 basis points in the U.S., the UK and the Eurozone next year. And that would actually take US and UK rates down to zero. That the rates there are 0.1% in the UK and 0.125 and 8th of a percent in the US. So for the rate cuts there, they'll take them down to zero. And we already know Eurozone rates are at minus 0.5% and the ECB has been very reluctant to move them further into negative territory. But the markets are beginning to think that we could see further rate cuts next year. And I think what's driving that is a realisation that the virus is proving more persistent than expected. We're seeing fresh outbreaks from you know, Portugal, 
you look at Australia, Melbourne, you look at China, you look at Germany, you look at Leicester in the UK, and particularly you look at the, in the States. I mean, a massive wave underway there. It's not even a second wave, it's just a reemergence of the wave we've seen already. And I think bond markets and interest rate markets are concerned that this way, despite the recent good economic data, that you know, economies are in a deep hole here, as I say, and it will take a long time for them to recover. And you know, most central banks are talking about two years for economies to recover from this recession and get out back to where it was at the start of the year. And in those sort of circumstances, with the risk of the virus proving persistent, of a second wave, that further help may be required for economies in terms of additional rate cuts from the central banks. As I said, not immediately, but looking down the road, it could be the early part of next year, particularly if we have a, you know, a fresh surge in terms of the coronavirus over the winter months. Okay, very quickly, Ali, uh, moving to currency markets, uh, we have recently uh, seen major currency pairs remain range-bound. Do you see any change to this over the course of July? Yeah, well, I'm looking at the screens here, and unlike bond markets and commodities and stock markets, currency markets have been remarkably range-bound. And if, as I've been saying in these podcasts for weeks, if you look at the euro-dollar exchange rate, it has been going back for the, the last two years, it's been this in this 107 to 115 range. And more recently, it's in that 110 to 140, 115 range. It's right in the heart of that in the last couple of weeks, 112 to 113. Absolutely no sign of it moving out of that range. I'm looking at it, and it's very hard to call which way it will go. It may well be that you know, rates are, are low everywhere. Interest rates are expected to remain low everywhere. All economies are going to take some time to recover. So in those sort of circumstances, markets may be finding it very hard to call the direction in terms of the euro or the dollar. And as for sterling, as we suspected, it's settling around the 90p level. Talks are ongoing between the UK and the EU in regard to a future trade deal. That will drive sterling over the second half of the year. But again, we'll probably get little definite news out of that until maybe September, October. And then, you know, sterling continues to trade around those 90p levels. So it's not very exciting in terms of currency markets, very much range bound. Most of the action has been in stock markets and in bond markets. But currencies over the summer, I think, are likely to remain within these very narrow ranges. The only thing that will move sternly is, is if there was a, a breakdown in the trade talks between the UK and the EU. And a no deal at the end of, of the year becoming an increasingly likely prospect. In those sort of circumstances, you would expect further pressure to come on sterling. It has weakened earlier on in the year. It's been more settled recently. But uh, any bad news coming out of the trade talks has the potential to weaken sterling further. But apart from that, and we're looking not just at the dollar and the euro, look at the yen, the Aussie dollar, Swiss franc, you know, they all remain within well-defined trading ranges and that's likely to continue in the coming months. Ali, thank you for your thoughts and thanks to our customers for listening. To stay up to date on financial markets, please press the subscribe button on AIB's Market Talk on the podcast apps for iOS or Android. For those customers impacted by COVID-19, you can find details of AIB support packages at aib.ie forward slash COVID-19. Speak to you soon. Thanks for listening to the latest edition of AIB Market Talk. Allied Irish Bank's PLC is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. First Trust Bank is a trademark of AIB Group UK PLC authorised by the Prudential Regulation Authority and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority and the Prudential Regulation Authority. Allied Irish Bank GB and Allied Irish Bank GB Savings Direct are trademarks used under licence by AIB Group UK PLC, authorised by the Prudential Regulation Authority and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority and the Prudential Regulation Authority.